Welcome to the Mastery Over Money podcast. My name is Michael Kim, and I'm a wealth coach, future CPA, and creative at heart. My mission is to help young professionals such as yourself have mastery over your money and start living a life of financial freedom. Not only will I teach you how to save, invest, make, and maximize your money, but I'll also transform the way that you think about it. At the end of the day, money management is a skill. And when you have mastery over it, you can create anything. Are you ready? Awesome. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Mastery Over Money podcast. I'm so excited for this episode because we have a very special guest with us here today. We have Cody Ye, who is my friend and mentor, who is a first-generation immigrant from Taiwan who came to Canada at the age of 18. He went to university as an engineer, got a white-collar job, but apparently it wasn't good enough. Cody is now a stock and options coach, YouTube influencer, a real estate investor, and more importantly, building an empire to help more people like yourself reach financial independence sooner. In this episode, Cody and I talk about how you can start building sustainable wealth through both real estate as well as stock investments. We also talk about the mindset and the drive that you need to have in order to create amazing success in all areas of your life. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's get right into it. Okay, so Cody, why don't you give us a little introduction to yourself and tell us more about yourself? Yeah, so my name is Cody Ye, like Michael said. So I grew up in Taiwan, moved to Canada when I was 18, came here with a student visa. I landed in Vancouver because my auntie was there, stayed there for about two years to catch up on English and grade 12 stuff because they won't let me transfer all the credits. Then from there, I applied to all the university across Canada. But I figured I wanted to come to a bigger city with more competition, just more opportunity. So I chose University of Toronto and I didn't want to write reports. I thought I was good at math. So I chose engineer. And um, that was, yeah, probably like when I was 18. So uh, 13 years, uh, 12 years ago. And, you know, after graduation, uh, I work at Honda, automotive uh, company. Um, and the factory side as a project manager. And from there, I was, you know, putting in a lot of overtime because uh, I didn't know a better way to make more money, pay a lot of uh, tax to the government. And I learned, I have to learn real estate investing on the side. Yeah. At night, I was attending a lot of real estate seminars. And there was two years where I did day trading in the Asian market because of the time difference of 12 hours. So I was able to do that, hire a coach. In the beginning, I was grinding it out, but becoming very successful at it. But then um, the health and then the balance is way off. It's not sustainable. That's why I stopped. And in the meantime, while I was doing day trading, I was playing with the stock option strategy that I, uh, I'm doing now where I have helped hundreds of students, you know, reaching their say yet to fire, just basically a fancy way of saying, helping them um, potentially replace their 95 jobs and get back more time, preserve the capital 
and just grow their long-term wealth. So that's basically a, a quick intro of me. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that journey. And we're going to dive into like different areas of your journey. So I first wanted to talk about your job at Honda. So I think a lot of us, we decide to go to university. We study a very like smart thing like engineering or accounting or becoming a doctor or whatever. And mm -hmm. we get a job finally. We're like, yes, we made it. We finally got a job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. After you got the job, why do why were you like this is not good or like I need to do more? I need to do real estate or I need to do options trading. What was your thought process around that? Yeah, you know, to be honest, like when I was an undergrad, all the good students wants wants to get into investment banking, not really because they like it, because it pays the most, and that was the best paying job we know. But most engineers don't even know what investment banking is, but they want to get it. And then, you know, other engineers want to get into um, oil industry, oil and gas industry, because before 2014, the oil and gas companies are very wealthy. I remember the last interview I did with, I'm not going to say which company, but it's the top three oil and gas in Canada. We did multiple interviews and they actually flew me in. And then they have a Mercedes picking me up. That's really fancy. I haven't even got hired yet. <laughs> I haven't got hired yet. Pay for all the hotels, five-star hotel at Delta, cover for three days, you know, all the fancy stuff. I didn't get it. You know, in the hindsight, was actually good. Otherwise, I might put myself on a golden handcuff. Anyway, and then I, I went back to Honda because I work as an intern there. I put in a lot of overtime. I was racking about like 60K when I was an intern. So imagine coming out of third year, you make, you know, 60K, sorry, not 60, 60K per year coming out of third year, right? of course, with overtime and all that. And then after graduation, I went back, right? Put in more overtime, try to court, climb the corporate ladder. Um, it was quite frustrating because I was working a lot of overtime, um, taking on a lot of weekend works. Um, and then because when the factory is, it's not running, that's when engineers can really start fixing stuff or improving the process, right? Because the production is always running. And, and, you know, I give away a lot of social life, you know, I was living one hour away from Toronto. Um, so I miss a lot of those stuff. And at the same time, I, I give in a lot of time, right? 400 to 800 hours of overtime per year. I was looking at my paycheck. At the end, I pay like about 54% of all that back to the government. So <laughs> I started I start looking at all the more wealthy people around me. I'm like, well, they look like they're so happy. They're not here grinding, put in overtime. Um, and then I look at the 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 top management at Honda, um, you know, you know, the high up, right? There are only a handful of them. And then to be honest, I, I look at them, uh, they have like dark eye circles, uh, always on the edge, right? If you say something wrong, they might smash the table and then just stand up and say, Cody, like, what are you talking about? Right. So they're always at the edge. I always look at their lack of sleep, very stressful. They always come back and yell at people, even though they try to put the smile on. And then I remember one thing they told me is that, Cody, if you need something, call me anytime. Call me, you know, really call me anytime. I, I only sleep between like 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. Oh, my God. And I'm like, so he's something I'm working. He is someone I'm working towards, but I'm not sure if that's the life I want. Right? And that's the, not the aha moment, but it's like, oh, shoot, 
I should be looking at something else, right? So since I was growing up, my mom kept telling me, hey, all the money I've been saving, really, it's all gone except for the money and real estate. So I'm like, okay, real estate is probably right. Real estate make 90% of the millionaires out there. I should look at real estate. So I started going to a lot of seminars. Right? At night, I was either day trading or going to real estate seminars. That's why I know a lot of the, the hosts and, and the real estate podcast, right? I know them for years. That's where I started. And at the same time, was that I want to prove myself. There's got to be another way. Day trading. Very fun, very quick, very sexy, all that, right? And then, you know, so I learned about it. I hired the best coach, at least in my opinion. She doesn't have any uh, YouTube videos. She doesn't have any marketing. She's just someone who's very low-key and managing a lot of money. I'm quite successful at it and two years younger than me. So I was like, holy cow, I have to see it, right? Um, that, that's kind of like sort of the mentality, right? I was like, there's got to be something better. There's got to be a better way to build wealth. And okay. real estate was the first one along with stock option, right? So real estate, in my opinion, is the best way to use the bank's money and to leverage it and to build long-term wealth if you do it the right way. And then stock option, which is a strategy I teach now, it will help you to, um, to grow your money faster, whether you're saving for your first house or you're trying to save for your first investment house, right? And then, you know, use real estate to build long-term wealth, use stock option to build the cash flow. And eventually when this cash flow replaces your full-time job, full-time nine to five jobs, technically you reach financial freedom because that's what I did. And I very comfortably left my job because my trading profit, just from my trading profit, not real estate, not other active business, just from the trading profits already replaced my 95 six-figure income. So that's how I'm like, what am I doing here? <laughs> then I'm just like, okay, <laughs> you know, I should start doing something else that will make me grow faster mentally, financially, and just pushing myself a bit more. Right. But now, now it's kind of like I was playing golf today before I came back. I came back like an hour before I get on this call. So I was out there four hours, right? And the driving range is having fun, right? But normal nine to five people cannot do that, mm -hmm. right? And because of that, I know more people that already reach financial freedom. We talk a lot, a lot about opportunities, mindset, and opens a lot more doors because you meet people that you cannot meet at nine to five jobs. I love that. And so let's talk about your options trading. So let's talk about options first, and then we'll get into real estate. So yeah. you're working at your job at Honda. Mm -hmm. And then did you start off with day trading or options trading? How did you get into these, yeah. these things? So I started investing in stocks in 2011, since the second year of university. That's where I learned about, because I was minor in finance. So I learned about you know engineering economics, engineering accounting, I was reading financial statement, cash flow statement, balance sheet, and all that since the second year. And I took corporate finance, uh, corporate accounting, um, and option course. At that time, it was explained to me in the way that they want me to understand how does the, the back end, how does the pricing system work? But it wasn't explained in the way, how does this skill or how does this profit generate from the skills can change my life. It was never that way. It's just like, okay, so if the stock price is this, what's the option price? Oh, if the stock price move up by 5%, what's the option price? I was always taught in that way. And 
I do not know what is the actual impact. Yeah. So I was just like keeping it easy, right? Investing some boring stocks, right? Since 2011. And I thought there should be a better way. So I got into day trading 2016 to 2018 while I was playing with other option strategy. And then soon I realized that, okay, I'm putting in more time in day trading because I spent one to two hours doing homework before the day trading, before the market opened in Asia, 12 hour difference. Spending another one to two hours trading at the highest volume time when the market opened. Spending another two to three hours writing reports to improve or reflect on what I did that day. How can I improve that? Is that part of my strategy? Then I was looking at my, my option portfolio and like, okay, I only spent less than 30 minutes here. I spent five, six hours here. Okay, maybe the return of day trading is a bit better, but the stress level is so high. Why don't I just keep doing this? Why don't I just keep doing the stock option strategy where I just only need less than 30 minutes per day? Then, you know, there we go. That's where I'm like, that's my aha moment. I'm like, okay, what's the point of doing all that day trading if I can get a higher return on time, lower return on stress using the option strategy I'm teaching right now? The whole point is not to get the most return if you don't have the health, you don't have the time to enjoy, right? The whole point is how can I get very good return, preserve capital, and have the time and the health and the energy to enjoy it. That's why I just stick to this stock option strategy that I'm teaching you guys right now. I believe you're part of the, the, the journey as well with me through the course. So that was, took me years to realize that. And now I'm just laying out for anyone who wants to another generate another stream of income and potentially, you know, short-term the career life or maybe can fire their career life or fire their wife's, wife's jobs a lot sooner, right? Whatever that means for them, right? I, I love that. And I am so happy I joined the course because I would, before joining your course, I was like, oh, I can learn all of these things on my own and try to figure it out. And like after watching like the first like one or two hours of your of your course and your webinar, I was like, oh my gosh, I can tell Cody has like put years and years of his experience into this program and into this course. So I'm like, thank God I didn't try to do this on my own. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very glad to have you. I, I still remember our first call and I'm so glad that you took the plunge just like all the other alumni and they all have very good things to say and give me a really good review on Google and all that. So great to have you as part of the journey. <laughs> yeah, and what you said about the return, right? Like it isn't just about the amount of money that you make, right? Because you can do an investment banking job where you're working literally 24 seven and you're yeah. making, yes, lots of money, but like you calculate it on yeah. a per hour basis and you're making pennies, right? Yeah. <laughs> because you're working so many hours. So what often is a better indicator of what strategy you should choose is like based on your time and return. And stress level. And stress level, yes. Yeah, right. Because, you know, when we're young, we're thinking, you know, we're invincible, right? You know, I'm 30 right now. I thought, I think I'm still invincible, but now I'm a lot more strategic. You know, I used to be that person just, I want to learn everything. I want to learn this. I want to learn that. You know, not to say that, you know, I, 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 I start, stop learning new things, but now I'm more strategic. I need to see the light at the end of the tunnel before I put in the time because time is very precious, very valuable, right? With all the experience, I know certain things will work. 
certain things will not work with my personality or the lifestyle. For example, all the business I'm building right now, all the things I'm teaching right now is helping me to make more money and work less hour. So higher ROI, higher ROI on time, lower ROI on stress, not the other way around. There's many jobs out there, many different opportunities out there that I can make way more money, but I will be sweating a lot. I probably cannot sleep well at night and I cannot spend more time with my family. And that would defeat my purpose of doing all this because that was the very why that I'm trying to build all this business up, real estate and all that. It's because I want more free time. And then a lot of people out there, not bashing anyone, but a lot of people thought that's their why, but they're, the action they're doing actually going the opposite way, right? And oh. which was the case at, at Honda. Yeah, that is, that is so important. Oftentimes we lose, we forget our why. The reason why we're working for money, the reason why we're working hard at our jobs or working on our business is so that we can spend more time with our family, spend more time with our loved ones, do things we actually enjoy. Like you, mm -hmm. you like to play golf and I also see you play tennis a lot and I love playing tennis. Um, well, you must be good at it. I'm new. I'm, I'm very new. Well. for like two, three years. So <laughs> I literally just restrung my tennis racket for the first time. It still has the whole logo on it you know that's how <laughs> new i was so i literally just had it be strong <laughs> yeah and pretty much like that is the reason why we're working for or trying to create money and trying to work towards financial freedom so that we have more time and energy and i think it's really wise of you to to notice that when you were doing day trading and you're like oh my gosh this isn't my why like this isn't aligned with what i want and then you decide to pivot Right. So yes. why don't you tell us about what is options trading for those who are listening that don't know what options trading is. Can you briefly give an overview about what yeah. is options trading and how do you make money from options trading? Yeah. So, you know, um, to know about option trading, you have to know about stocks first because um, option is, has an underlying asset. And in this case, stock is the underlying asset for a stock option, right? So all the option price are based on the stock price, right? There's a future options, different option. But the reason why they come up with options because it's a little bit more complicated, but it will allow more savvy people to uh, use their money more uh, efficiently, okay? So let's say someone can have $10, and they can trade it like they have a hundred dollar. Now, again, that's not what I teach. I'm not trying to teach people to use leverage. When I talk about option, we're on the selling side. What I mean by that is when we're selling option, it's like we're selling an insurance contract. It's like we're opening a casino. We allow gamblers to come in. We allow people who are trying to bet direction to bet which horse that will win. But for us, we're just collecting that fee and we make money from that fee. And then we know what's our worst case. From stock option, when we sell the insurance contract on that specific stock, we get paid a premium, just like an insurance company, upfront, okay? And we know the worst case is that we already done our homework on the stock, so we know we're happy owning the stock for the long term because we believe in the stock, with the homework on the stock based on all this 
on this company's fund, fundamental analysis, financial statements, cash flow statements, blah, 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 all that. So we already agree we're happy only a long term. Now we are using option contract. We're selling option contract to say, hey, pay me up front. And then the worst case is I can own the stocks I want to own for a cheaper price. Now, most of the time, we actually don't need to own the stocks we want to own. Most of the time, we keep getting paid premium and we keep selling the insurance contract. And that's how we make the cash flow. And there's a reason why most of the insurance company own the big buildings in downtown. Mm -hmm. Because they have actually that, you know, that's doing all the, the calculations to so you know what's their win and lose ratio. And they put money aside for a black swan event. But the, for the rest of the time, they know exactly what their return is. And that's how they build a business, right? It's very low risk. And, you know, it helps me fire my nine to five jobs, replace my six figure income. It has helps hundreds of people done that within my alumni group. So, you know, it works out pretty well so far. Interesting thing that you said about options trading. You said that it's low risk, the strategy that you're doing. But then if you search online, you can also hear that, oh my gosh, options trading is so, so risky and you lose mm -hmm. so much money through options mm -hmm. trading. Do you mind like breaking down this misconception? Is, is options trading risky or is it not risky? I think anything is risky. Anything is risky. Going to school is risky. I spent 120K going to school. Imagine if my parents did not pay for that. I coming out of school of $120,000 debt. Is that not risky? That's equivalent to me losing 120K in the stock market, right? It's all perspective. But the reason why people say options risky is because when people treat the stock market or the option market as a casino, as a place to get a lot of hype, get a lot of emotional hype, and just kind of, hey, my friend is buying that. I, we think we'll go up. When you treat stock market with option market like you're buying a lottery, of course it's risky. Why no one say lottery is risky? Because most people lose. One out of what, like 30 million chance that you might win? Is that not risky? What about the money you put in? <laughs> right? So it's all about perspective. But the reason why a lot of people say stock and options risky is because they have the wrong, wrong mindset and they don't know how to do it better. They're using the wrong strategy. They try to turn $10 into $100 within a short period of time. Now, let me give you an example. Warren Buffett is one of the best investors. Now that's still alive. Now, Warren Buffett's portfolio has been outperforming the S&P 500, which is our benchmark index. Two to three X since 1950. Even that, he's only averaging 20% per year. So when someone's like, Cody, I, I want to turn $10 into $100, that is a thousand percent. So if the best investor can only do 20%, trying to turn into a thousand percent, how much time are you putting on it? Or you just hear your neighbor talk about it? How much time do you spend in it? Right? Are you trying to perfect that job? Are you trying to excel? Do you, do you like have coach? Do you write reports? If you're doing none of that, of course it's risky for you, right? It's just like, you know, you're trying to go fight a professional fight without any training. Yeah, of course it's risky, right? So, you know, it's all about perspective. And I'm, you know, I'm not saying what's right, what's wrong. I'm just providing my opinion, right? 
Great. And I think on this podcast, I literally like say pretty much the exact same thing that you said. But what I like to say is that investing is a skill and risk is relative. So like if you're going swimming and you haven't swam before, it's going to be very risky to jump in the ocean. But then if you are a professional swimmer, like if you're Michael Phelps and you go swimming, you'll be fine, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's the same thing when it comes to investing. If you learn the investing skill, you actually learn the right strategy, then investing doesn't have to be risky. Yeah, it's how you treat it, right? If you treat it like an amateur, then you will get an amateur return. You get amateur risk, right? If you treat it like a professional, you, you spend the right amount of money, hire the right coach, eat right, train right, and you have the talent for it, you have a higher chance of being successful, right? It's just a lot of people said risky in the very loose term. Well, playing professional sports are very risky too because if I get injured, I might be done for life, right? No one talk about that. Everyone just, oh, stock options or stock market where a lot of people say, hey, real estate is really, really risky without really context, right? right? It's all about how much time you put in, how dedicated you are. Are you learning from the right people, right? If you're learning from the wrong person, yeah, good luck with that. But Tony Robbins once said that if you're, if you want to be successful, replicate someone who has achieved that and just copy what he does and you would get the same results. Really, it's that simple. But a lot of people say, oh, I'm smarter than that, right? I'm smarter than that. I want, I want to reinvent the wheels, right? So, you know. Yeah, and that's exactly why I decided to work with you because I was like, <laughs> oh, Cody has exactly what I want. He does, he's doing the thing that I exactly want. So I'm just going to invest in this course and invest in this program so I can learn it. So I don't have to learn it on my own and spend years to make mistakes and to try to figure things out on my own. Yeah. You're basically standing on my shoulder or stepping over my corpse because I make all those (laughs) mistakes. I lose all those money for all of you guys now. And I can tell you guys in a very patient way, but I basically open up all my wounds and say, these are all the wounds I had. Don't try to be smarter than me because I thought I was smart. Okay. So just don't do that. Do the rest I taught about. And then you guys will be a lot safer, right? At least have a lot more upside and eliminate all the mistakes you can make. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a very gruesome picture, but that's a, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Cody, if anyone wants to learn more about options trading, where can they learn more about this? Yeah. So um, my last ever live courses will be December, right? December 4th and 5th, there will be my last ever live beginner course. Uh, December 11 and 12 will be my last ever intermediate courses. And now I'm running a live webinar October 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And I believe Michael Wan, you know, you can put it in your link or you can go to my website, codyyate.com. That's C-O-D-Y-Y-E-H.com. Click on a free webinar. You can register. You can see me live, ask me a question, right? Or, or else I'll definitely let you know about my uh, free Facebook group. There's more than 4,000 like-minded people in there. And, you know, I keep punching out value added content. We're running, uh, starting to run a Facebook Live every Sunday. I let people vote about the topics they want to talk about. So just many ways, right? Website, free webinar, last ever life course in December, which is showing my Facebook group, right? Awesome. So this is all about stop 
stock options and how you've been able to build a lot of wealth through options trading. Now let's talk about real estate because you are a huge real estate investor and real estate is a big part of your portfolio. So tell us more about how you got into real estate and um, why did you decide to choose to become a real estate investor? Yeah, um, real estate was one of the, the ways that I heard it since I grew up um, because I heard so many wealthy people came from real estate. Actually, 90% of the millionaires came from real estate. Then they start you know, um, diversifying their portfolio into stocks and all that. The reason why real estate was very, very appealing is because you can actually borrow money from the bank and the bank will lend you money to help you build up your real estate portfolio. For example, a lot of people put down 20% down payment. That means bank will lend you 80% of the money. So if you want to buy a $1 million house, you only need to come up with 200K. Bank will lend you 800K. So that's the first investing one-on-one is that's called leverage. So the bank, there's reason bank will allow you to do that because they deem that it's a good way to make money and you will pay the mortgage payments. That's why they allow you to do that, right? And think about when, when your money is leveraged five times, when you're paying only putting down 200K and you own a $1 million house, imagine if that house goes up, that means appreciation, appreciate by 10%. That 10% on $1 million is $100,000, right? That $100,000 comparing with your initial investment of 200K, what is the ROI on that? That's 50%. You know, we put in 200K, right? And then 10% appreciation on 1 million is 100K. So 100K divided by 200K, 50% return. Where can you get a 50% return? That's not including when you own a house, there's mortgage pay down, there's cash flow if you get it right. We haven't even talked anything about that. Just from appreciation. If it's 2%, leverage five times, that's 10%. If it's 10%, leverage five times, that is 50%, right? So that's why real estate is a very, very powerful way to build your wealth. You know, we're not going to talk about, you know, how much work it need to put in, whether you need a team, power team, and all that, but it's a great way to build wealth. It has worked for the longest time in the history, even before the stock market comes about. And now that we have ever more people on earth and they all need a place to live. That's why we need a place to do business. So real estate has still proven to be one of the most powerful way. Right. So real estate is so powerful because you only need a small amount of money and then you could leverage, borrow money from the bank in order to like times five or times 10 yeah. your, your return. What is your, your, I guess, approach to real estate like how did you get started in real estate and how did it yeah. how did your real estate portfolio grow to where it is today so i started so i save up i try to save up money uh in 2016 i think i was still short uh 37,000. so i i was you know my mom was looking at a bungalow in toronto in 2016 at that time a bungalow only cost you in certain area cost you about half a million so it was five hundred and twenty six thousand dollars so i said hey mom if we want to buy that you know i don't have enough for the whole house 20 percent of that i don't have it but you know i have enough to chip in so can i buy it with you she's like yeah cool best way 
Okay. So that was the first house, right? Looking for five years right now, that house is probably north of 1 million. Yeah. I don't know what that number is, right? Um, and then I keep saving and saving money. I didn't, we never sold that house. And 2017, you know, with all the overtime <laughs> and the profits from stocks and option, um, I bought my own property in 2017. It was a single family near Honda which is the company I used to work for. That was $460,000. So I came up with uh, the down payment, 20% about 90,000 and another 10,000 of closing costs, lawyer, blah, blah, blah. And that's from all my overtime and hard work. And just a fun fact, because this month my tenant is moving out. So we are selling the house. That house is going to be sold for around 850 thousand to nine hundred thousand dollars so just a quick example on that right i put in around 100k and then the house went up from 460 to 900 so the house double so if i sold it right that's my principal residence for people who doesn't know you don't need to pay capital gain on it again ask for your accountant but it's four hundred fifty thousand dollars. i only put in 100k that's 450 percent return in four years and no taxes on that. <laughs> because it's my principal residence. And then I chose the election before I moved to uh, North York and all that. So that's just my second property. And I bought two more in 2019 in Barrie in the, in the North. I bought it for around, I remember it's 405K. Another one at 430K. We put in about, uh, uh, I think about 80K. So, and now the, both of those houses are around, I think 750 to 800K market value so you know very powerful <laughs> so just very powerful you know did i know that i would appreciate that much no but it was cash flowing so i know the house can carry itself because i have renters right so i keep it to very simple house that will rent it out to to a simple family have a you know relative good income and there's always people working in that area so I know they make relatively good money. I choose tenant wisely and they're basically carrying my investment for me. And I'm still getting pay surplus of a couple hundred bucks per month after hiring a property manager and all that. So when it comes to your real estate strategy, you're making money from the cash flow. So like from people renting, the people renting are helping you to pay off the mortgage and mm -hmm. cover all of those expenses. You're making money from that. And then you're also making money from the appreciation of the house. And yeah. that is just like a double whammy. <laughs> oh, it's actually triple. So there's oh, three yeah. ways to make money in real estate. Um, I don't want to get too fancy, but let's say if you buy a house, right? You buy a house and the tenant pays you enough for you to cover all the costs and some more. Okay. So I have some surplus. That's from cash flow. Mm -hmm. Then because every month I pay mortgage to, to the bank, there's a certain portion that goes to pay down the principal. There you go. The second one, principal pay down. Third one, appreciation. Usually a real estate should appreciate at least 2% because they at least try to benchmark the inflation. Not to mention about all the costs of goods are going up. So laborers are going up. So it costs more money to build houses. And what do you think the house price will go? all trickle back to the M buyer. If it costs more to build, guess what? 
the builder is going to just charge the end buyer more money, right? So for all those three, cash flow, mortgage pay down, appreciation, there are actually three, three of them that's making money for you. That's awesome. So when it comes to options trading versus real estate, which one should you choose or should you choose both? What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, in my opinion, you should do both. Uh, real estate has helped me come with my trading account size a lot faster. And then option trading has helped me to generate enough cash flow for me to fire my 95 jobs. Now, for people who are just starting out, I say they have like, they save up 10K to 50K. Say, Cody, I don't have enough for down payment because the house are damn expensive <laughs> or I need they to are. move out hundred, uh, sorry, one hour away. Then they should learn stock option first because if they don't know another way to help them snowball that down payment, their down payment that you're trying to save might never chase. You might never get up to speed with the appreciation of the real estate. So if you're just leaving the bank or you're just leaving the mutual fund, it might not be fast enough. So you need another way to increase your return so that the money you're saving, right? You're making more money, you keep dumping money in your saving because you want to try to buy your first house. You should have a way to snowball that money you're saving or whatever way that is, mutual fund, stock option, or side hustle, right? Just you need more money and you need it to grow faster. And stock options is one of a really good way. That's on one spectrum for young, younger people. Whereas I have a lot of alumni that owns a lot of real estate, like Cody, like real estate is great, but we get to the age where we don't want to deal with tenants anymore. We don't want the hustle of managing the property manager, the contractor and all that. We just want a peaceful life. We just want a good return. So a lot of them sold their couple of their properties, get a lot of money, put it in their trading account, and they make one to four percent per month. So if they have a hundred k, they make one to four percent. One to four percent per month can be twelve to forty eight percent. Let's just say twelve percent. Okay, twelve percent per month on hundred k, that's twelve thousand dollar per year. Now a lot of them has <laughs> multiple properties, so at least half a million per property, half a million. 12% on that is $60,000. You can live off that. <laughs> you can live off that. And that's just on the very conservative side of option trading, the strategy I teach, right? So, you know, they both real estate and options serve very strong, right? Real estate is for me to build wealth, build up my net worth. Option trading is for me to replace my income, generate cash flow, allow me to reduce a lot of stress in my life and helping to buy more real estate or buy more of my time back, right? For example, once I start doing option trading, after that cash flow come in, maybe I don't need my two other side hustle. Maybe I don't need to work that overtime. Maybe my wife don't need to work anymore. Or maybe I just can comfortably work less time in my work, right? Just give you a lot more option, right? No pun intended. Just give you a lot more option. That's the whole point of this option strategy. Awesome. So Cody, you are a very successful young man. You're, are you 30 or you're 31, 32? I'm turning 31 <laughs> you're uh, turning... in October. You're very, very young. So you're 31 and you've accomplished so much in such a short amount of time. 
I'm curious about like, what is your drive? Like, what was the reason why you wanted to learn how to better manage your money and learn about real estate and have learn about options trading? What was your drive behind that? You're such a good host. You asked a really good question. You know what? It took me years to really figure that out. And even today, I was trying to chat with my business coach. And I realized that is because growing up, money was something that really broke my family. Right. So, you know, a lot of problem actually stemmed from financial problem. So my family, you know, my dad and my mom, they separate, they say, oh, they don't really, you know, their personality don't fit and all that. But when I look at it closer, it's really because of financial problem. One of them has a financial problem. The other one is trying to fill the whole, whole thing fell apart. So, and when I look more around all my friends, a lot of time, what's the number one stress for any type of relationship is finance, right? If right now, any type of relationship you have to finance, let's say if you can go out, you can take Uber to wherever you want. You can eat whatever you want. You can take the trip, whatever you want to fly first class. I think it will be a lot less fighting, just saying. <laughs> so really coming from that, that kind of background and coming from where, when I went through university, I almost have to drop out in second year because, you know, I was 29, 2009, 2010, you know, you know, my dad was calling me one day to say, Hey, you know, uh, are we going to be late to pay your tuition? I'm like, how late? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know. Like University of Toronto have a cut up, cut up line. Like I'm an international student. I couldn't get a, I couldn't get a loan. I couldn't get an OSAD. There's no grant. There's no loan. If I can get a loan, I will get a loan, but there's none. And I cannot work. No matter what I do, I cannot get, I cannot get 30K tuition somewhere. It's just out of thin year working four months in the summer, right? So that was because of that. And I feel very insecure and I feel I need to be stronger taking care of myself. And now I take care of my parents as well, you know, help them out financially, give them better advice, at least give them the cash flow, right? If they need, need that kind of cash flow to retire, I just feel like I have the obligation. And I feel like I need to settle this financial side of things. And that's the biggest thing I need to settle before I can move forward for anything else, right? That was really, maybe I'm too extreme on that side, but I just thought this is an inspiration for a lot of people to know that a lot of things really come down to finance, to your financial situation. And if you have a better financial situation, you can work a lot less. You can have a lot more time. It can be a lot happier too. And the people around you will be a lot happier as well. Oh, that was so powerful. Thank you for sharing that, Cody. I never really shared that on podcast. I just <laughs> thought maybe, you know, one of my family members listened to it, but who cares? You know, I just yeah. here to inspire more people. So I hope they take it in the positive way if they ever listen to this. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's so true. And this is something that a lot of people don't want to talk about, right? But I think a lot of us growing up, we have come from financial problems. Like my family as well, we suffered through a lot of financial problems and it also like almost destroyed the family, right? And there's, I think when it comes to relationships, one of the leading causes to divorce is financial problems, right? Yes. So... Yeah. And like, imagine if we lived in a world where we didn't have to worry too much about money, or if you didn't have to always be stressed about 
are you going to be able to afford that house or be able to pay your next bill, right? Mm -hmm. You will live a much not problem-free life, but you would live a lot more, you can focus on other things. You can allocate your time and energy to, like, as you said, if you don't have to worry about yourself, you can then worry about your family. You can help and support them or you can worry about your friends. And that's the reason why we're working hard to achieve financial freedom. Yeah. And then that one really important concept is money is not good. Money is not bad. Money is not evil. Money is not saying it's neutral. Having money will just amplify who you are. But this is kind of bad to say, but it's very true. When you don't have money, you don't have option. When you have, when you don't have option, you have to be selfish. So if you really want to change the world, you have to have enough money. So you have more energy and time to change the world. That's the cohort truth. And, you know, money itself is nothing right, nothing wrong with it. But having enough, and after a certain level, right, there's research saying you have more than 75,000, you make more than 75,000 per year. Your happiness with more money is marginal. But if you have below that, you know, again, don't, don't take me wrong. Someone's making less than that. I started making less than that, but just saying, if you're making less than that, the research shows that you are always stressed in certain level, not saying that rich people have, or wealthy people have no stress, but they just have more means to solve those problems and have more options. Right. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. It's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I actually did a podcast episode on this. I think it's like episode number five or something. But what Maslow's hierarchy of needs is that you first need to make sure that you're okay. You need to make sure that you can cover your food, cover your shelter. And then once you know that you're okay and that you're safe, then that's when you can start worrying about your your relationships and start worrying about uh, being the best version of yourself to do something that impacts other people positively. And by having financial freedom and understanding how to use money to take care of yourself, that is, mm-hmm. that is the reason why. <laughs> yeah, totally agree. Okay, so Cody, last question. So you have a very famous phrase of say yay to fire. What does, what does this phrase mean? And tell us more about it. <laughs> it's funny because I usually oh. ask all my alumni, what does say yay to fire means for you? Or what's your version of say yay to fire? I never explain my own version of a say yay to fire. So for people who doesn't know, yay is my last name. It just sounds like yes came to me when i was showered so it's basically saying yes to fire fire for people doesn't know means financial freedom and retire early again doesn't mean you're going to sit on the beach doing nothing but means that you have enough financial security so that you can move on to something bigger or getting back more time so this whole journey of things whether it's real estate, stock option, building all the business, helping more people. It's all about helping more people to say yet to fire, whatever that their version of say yet to fire is. For me, it's getting more time back. I still really enjoy helping people and building business because that's where I get the most sense of satisfaction. But now if I want to drop, like I was in Banff with my girlfriend for two weeks. I was down in Miami a week ago. So I basically travel 
like almost three weeks for the last four weeks. And I'm going down to you know, South, South America for another week in November. So the reason why I can do that is because I have financial freedom. I can stay at home all day if I want to. I can drop everything and go back to my home country for a year if I want to. But it's because I have that option, right? That's my own version of say yet to fire. I keep building what I'm building. But along the way, I want to help more people ready to step up, to step up. And I really enjoy doing that. And I make more money. And I help more people make more money. Everyone has a better, best version of themselves. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Cody. <laughs> okay, awesome. So, Cody, if people want to learn more about you, they're interested in learning more about options or real estate or anything that you were talking about today, how can they learn more about you? Yeah, so I have a YouTube channel. And I have a YouTube channel. It's Cody Yeh Investing, C-O-D-Y space Y-E-H space investing, where they can join. I would really highly recommend they join my Facebook group right? I believe Michael can put it in the description, right? That's where we talk about real estate, uh, interview my alumni, interview special guests in there, and I have Facebook Live every week now. Or they can just follow me on Instagram or Facebook, right? Just have me as a friend, follow me on Instagram. I always have a lot of value-added content I punch out and just keep learning from there and then reach out to me, right? Don't, don't treat me as a stranger. Message me. I always reply. I'm still looking at my own message. Yes, Cody is very nice and very approachable. So feel free to contact him, learn from him, and yeah, and say hi. Exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much, Cody, for being here. I really, really enjoyed our conversation today. And thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Thank you so much for listening to the Mastery Over Money podcast. If you found any value with this episode, share this episode with a friend who needs to hear this message. Also, if you want to share your appreciation for this podcast, feel free to give it a review on Apple Podcasts as this helps me reach and help more young professionals such as yourself. That's it for today and I'll chat with you next week.